Amen. Well, good morning and welcome home. Good to see all of you today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Adam. I'm the discipleship pastor. And uh, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for joining us, those of you who are watching online. I want to just give you a little, little random uh, trivia about me. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, I was really, really fast. And that's all. Take out your Bibles. And, no, I'm kidding. No, I have a story that goes along with that. In seventh grade, I was really, really fast. And in a, a track meet early on in the year, the 100, the 100 meters was my specialty, okay? And so early on in the track season... Uh, the, the finals of the 100 for this particular meet came down to, I mean, I don't know who the other guys were, but it came down to me and this guy named Gentry Sparks. And Gentry Sparks, you need to know, he was like 6'4 in seventh grade. I am not exaggerating. He was a beast. He was a monster in seventh grade. So we're running and we're neck and neck, and I'm like taking two or three strides for his every one, right? Because he's 6'4". And so it's, it's me and it's him and we're just, we're just like this and we get to the finish line and he stretches out his six foot four frame and I stretch out my probably five foot seven inch frame at the time and he beats me by just this much, this much. Gentry Sparks, that is a name that is etched in my memory and by the time this story's over, you're not going to forget his name either. So every day after school, we'd have track practice, and we'd go out, and I'd be thinking to myself, Gentry Sparks, because I knew I was going to meet him again in the district meet at the end of the track season. I think that would be conference here, maybe. We called it district. And so I knew I was going to meet Gentry Sparks again at the district meet, and I trained and I worked because I was going to beat him. And a friend of mine wrote down on a piece of paper the name Gentry Sparks, and he taped it to my locker in the locker room so I would see it before I went out on the field to practice because I wanted to beat Gentry Sparks. And finally, the day of the district meet came. And I'm walking around and I'm looking for this six foot four beast who's towering over everybody. And I'm not seeing him. And I finally asked a kid who went to his school, I said, where's Gentry Sparks? And he said, he got suspended from school so he can't run today. Are you kidding me? So the bad news is I never again had a chance to race Gentry Sparks, but the good news is I got first in district in the 100 meters. <laughs> yep, yep, no applause necessary, <laughs> especially since that was the height of my athletic glory. It was all downhill from there. In fact, the very next year, something, something funny happened that summer between 7th grade and 8th grade. I all but quit growing. And everybody else started, and the next year, I didn't even qualify for the finals in the 100. It was so embarrassing. I don't know if I was dead last, but I might as well have been. And so in a year's time, I went from the glory of being first to the agony of might as well have been last. The truth is, we put a huge premium on being first, don't we? We love to be first in line. We never want to be last. We want our team to be first. We never want to be last. But let me ask you this. Can you think of a situation where maybe you could be first and last? Maybe even where it would be good to be first and last? 
Well, keep that thought in the back of your head. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But, um, but first, we need to know that we're wrapping up a series today that we've been in called Jesus Is. And Kyle has given us some great messages about some of the I am statements where Jesus says, I am the light of the world and I am the door or the gate. And we've been through several of those. By the way, just a, just a short plug, we have a women's book study that's going to start not this Wednesday, but the next and they're going to be looking at a, uh, a book called I Am that examines seven of Jesus' I Am statements. So it's going to be kind of a follow-up to this sermon series that we're ending today. So ladies, you're invited to that. It'll be at 6.30 starting a week and a half from now on Wednesday night. But anyway, our, our, uh, our focus for today is Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the Alpha and and the Omega. This phrase is found three times in the Bible, all three in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And as I was thinking through this, it dawned on me, if you didn't have a lot of exposure to Scripture or to the church or you had never heard this phrase before, you might look at that and say, what in the world does that mean? Was Jesus part of a frat? Was he in the military? What in the world does that mean? I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Well, let's look at the three places where we find it in Scripture and see if it helps us figure out what it means. Well, he says in, in chapter 1, almost, almost at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So it's telling us there, at least it has some kind of, uh, some kind of something to do with time, right? Or the passing of time. I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and was and is to come. Well, then towards the end of the book, in chapter 21, we find it again. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, there's a little bit more clarity. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So I'm the, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then finally, in chapter 22, almost at the very end of the book, he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So it's kind of spelling out for us what this means. Alpha and Omega means the first and last, the beginning and the end. You see, we need to know that Alpha and Omega, those were the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So if he was writing in English today, he would say, I am the A and I am the Z. So that's what it means. Clear as mud. What does it mean for us? What is that? Why is that significant to me? Why is that significant to you? Let's talk about that. I want to give you three, uh, three things today, three reasons why it is significant that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And the first is, first and last means only. First and last means only. If I say that Sarah is my first wife and my last wife, well, that means she's my only wife, right? One of these days, I'm going to have the guts to introduce her that way. I'd like you to meet my first and last wife. I've told her before, one of these days, I'm going to introduce you as my current wife, but I haven't had the guts to do that. One of my sons thinks I should introduce her sometime as my ex-girlfriend or ex-fiance, which technically, when you think about it, that's true. Just pray for my wife, okay? 
because she is my only wife. If she's my first wife and my last wife, that means she's my only wife. If Jesus is the first and the last, that means he's the only. And in fact, Isaiah spells this out for us back in the Old Testament. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. First and last means only. It means only. In fact, there's, a, there's a, an online retailer you, you may or may not have heard of. I don't know. It's called Amazon. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, Amazon, I want to show you their logo. Um, I always thought that this, this here was a, a smile, like this was supposed to represent like a smiley face. Did you know, this was just pointed out to me a while back, did you know this is actually an arrow that points from A to Z? Raise your hand if you're just seeing that for the first time today. Good, I was afraid I was going to look like an idiot if I was the only one right? It's, a, it's an arrow pointing from A to Z. Another, now you're never going to be able to unsee it, right? Do you know there's an arrow in the FedEx logo? Yes. Go ahead and Google it now so it's not a distraction the rest of, this, of the... But anyway, you can't, you can't unsee this now. A to Z, they're communicating through their logo. We have everything from A to Z. Everything you could ever want. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever searched for anything on Amazon and couldn't find it. It's, it's actually true, I think. It's, it, that's, they're communicating, I have everything you need. You don't need to look anywhere else for what you need. We've got it all right here. Well, the thing is, long before Jeff Bezos and Amazon.com, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the A to the Z. I have everything you need. You don't need to look anywhere else. You want purpose, you want hope, you want contentment, you want salvation. He says, I am everything you need. I am the A to Z. You don't need to look anywhere else. Jesus is the one and only. Only he can supply everything we need in life. No matter what the situation. And if that's true then that means he is the only one worthy of our praise, the only one worthy of our worship, the only one worthy of our complete and total surrender because he is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, which means he is the only. Second principle First and last means always there. If I told you that today I was the first one in this building, which I wasn't, but if I was, and if I told you that I will be the last one to leave this building, which I won't, but if I was the first, and if I was the last, then you would assume I was here the whole time, right? I mean, we hear this, this description used of athletes sometimes. Well, he's the first one in the building, and he's the last one to leave. And it's a compliment, because they're saying he gets here before anybody else, he's here after everybody else leaves, and he's here the whole time in between working hard. First and last means always there. 
Listen to what David says in Psalm 145. He says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. It occurs to me there's a whole bunch packed into that verse, but for our purposes today, does this sound like a God who you can't count on to be there? He cares for you. He is near. He hears your cry. He saves us. That is a God we can count on to be there. Early on in ministry, I, um, we had a guy in our church. His name was Rick. And Rick, he struggled with alcohol his entire adult life. And, and one day he decided he was going to give rehab a, another try. And he said, uh, he said, Pastor, would you mind riding with me and my daughter and my grandkids, some of my grandkids, while, while they take me to the rehab center? I, I, I want to give this one more try. I want to beat this. And so, you know, we had good conversation the, the whole way there. And as we were pulling into the rehab center, he said, he said something I will never forget. He said, Pastor... Thanks for coming. I just felt like if you were here, God would be closer to me. And while I was deeply touched by that statement, I tried to just gently correct his theology. I said, I said Rick, God is closer than a heartbeat. He's, he's close to you whether I'm here or not. He will be just as close to you inside the walls of that building over there as he is right now. He is the God who doesn't leave us. He's the God who doesn't abandon us. Some of you have loved ones, maybe a parent or maybe a spouse, who when things got tough, they just threw up their hands and said, I'm out. Please don't let that influence the image that you have of God who created you and loves you. He does not throw up his hands and say, I'm out. I'm done. He is there. He is with us. In fact, listen to, listen to these words. Psalm 139. This was too much, too much to put on the slide, so I'm just going to read it for you. If you want to look it up in your Bible or Bible app, you can. It's Psalm 139. Listen to what David writes. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. I don't like that one. I don't know about y'all. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's saying, I can't even, can't even wrap my head around this truth. God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. 
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being. Listen to these words. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Remember that some of you who are maybe a little older, remember the old cartoon that, that uh, says, God don't make no junk? And it has like a little boy on there. I don't know, maybe looking at his dog or something. I don't remember. God don't make no junk. That's kind of what David is saying there. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Does that sound like a God who throws up his hands when things get tough and says, I'm out? No way. He is the alpha and the omega, which means he's always there. He's always there if you're here today or you're watching online and you're wondering, where is God in my circumstances? Where is God in all this? Or if you're looking around at this crazy world we live in thinking, where is God? Here's the answer. He never left. He never left. And don't trust your feelings, to, don't trust your emotions to tell you that. Trust what he says in his word. No, it doesn't always feel like he's near, but his word says he is. His word says he's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, which means he never left. If I'm the first one in this building and the last one to leave, that means I never left. He is with you in the midst of your darkest days. He is with you. First and last means he is always there. He is always there. So before we get to the third meaning or significance of this phrase, let's look again at these verses in Revelation. One more time. I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. You know, that's the heartbeat of God. We see that phrase all throughout Scripture. God, that is God's desire, is just to be in relationship with us, to be our God, and we are his children. And this verse shows us the fulfillment of that. Then he says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know what all three of these verses really tell us? They tell us God wins. They tell us God wins. Now, to get that, we've got to dig a little bit deeper into the text Because here's the thing, Revelation is a difficult book, 
It is a difficult book. Some of, the, some of the smartest, brightest minds in the history of the church have looked at Revelation and said, I, I can't say much for certainty about this. John Calvin, he's one of the biggest theologians in the history of the church, lived a few hundred years ago. He wrote a commentary on the entire Bible. When he got to Revelation, he said, I'm not writing it. John Wesley, who he, we look at him kind of as one of our theological forefathers in the Nazarene church. John Wesley said, you know, the beginning's pretty certain, the end's pretty certain, the middle, I don't know. And today, Jim Bob Billy is on social media writing on a marker board like he has it all figured out. Come on, folks. Come on. The more certain somebody is that they've got it all figured out. You probably need to keep moving, okay? This is a difficult book. But the best way that I know of to, to start to get meaning out of this book for us is to not, not just look at it as a roadmap for what's going to happen before Jesus comes back, but let's start with what did it mean to the people it was actually written to. It's addressed to seven churches. What did it mean to them? They were real people, real churches, living in, a real, pla in real places, in real time. So what, what would this book have meant to them? Well, we need to understand that these churches lived under heavy, heavy persecution. You think we, we're persecuted today in this country? Not compared. May, you want to say we're heading that way? Okay, fine, but we have not tasted what they lived under. They couldn't buy or sell anything unless they swore allegiance to Caesar and to the pagan gods of the Romans. Couldn't buy anything, couldn't sell anything. They couldn't order anything on Amazon.com unless they provided proof. Hail Caesar. Hail the God of whatever. Couldn't even buy or sell anything. They lived with the threat of of, uh, of losing social status, which in that culture was a huge, huge thing. They lived under the threat of, of, uh, of imprisonment. They lived under the threat of death. A lot of them probably had loved ones, friends, or family members who had been arrested or even killed for believing and saying that Jesus was the only God, the only way. That's what they lived under. They lived under the, the, the constant threat, the constant question, am I going to be next? Is my family going to be next? How are we going to survive? We can't even buy or sell anything. That's what they lived with. In Revelation, this book reminded them that God This was a reminder to them, and it's a reminder to us today that in the end, God wins. Even if or when it gets worse before it gets better, God wins. Throughout the book, it says persevere. It says stay strong. It says don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith because God wins. And if you are a follower of Jesus, what does that mean? It means you win too. So he says, don't give up. Don't give up. Did anybody hear what I just said? God wins. Amen. 
And listen, church, listen, church of 2021. Those of you online, don't miss this. Those of you in this room, don't miss this. The church of today needs to hear this. There is no government. There is no politician. There is no political party. There is no billionaire. There is no corporation. There is no conspiracy that will ever change this truth that God wins. That's a hanky-waving moment from the old days, folks. God wins. Be careful about ingesting so much junk on the internet that you start getting anxious and fearful. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to win. And maybe it will get worse before it gets better. But don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Stay strong. And know that God wins. This phrase, Alpha and Omega, tells us that. One commentator says this, He is the absolute source of creation in history. He is both the originator, I love this, he is both the originator and the goal of our story. That's what Alpha and Omega means. He is both the originator and the goal of our story. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. In other words, Alpha and Omega tells us that God finishes what he starts. And nobody's going to change that. God finishes what he starts. God wins. Alpha and Omega means he's the only, it means he's always there, and it means he wins. And when you take all that into account, when you take all three of those truths into account, what it boils down to is this. He is the God we can trust. If He is all this, if this is all true, then He is the God we can trust with everything. So my question as we wrap this up, if the band wants to come, in light of this, in light of these truths, what do you need to trust Him with today? What do you need to give to him and surrender to him and say, God, I trust you with this? Is it salvation? He's the only way. Pray to him and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your grace and forgiveness. And I receive your grace and forgiveness. I'm going to spend the rest of my life following and trusting you and learning what that means. He's the only way. Do you need to trust him in your personal circumstances? You have stuff going on in your life right now? And you're wondering, where is God in all this? Trust him that he is there. Don't trust your emotions with that. Trust what his word says. He is there, even in the midst of your circumstances. Or do you need to trust God with the headlines and the current events, the crazy world that we live in? Do you find yourself looking around at everything going on around us? And finding yourself overwhelmed and filled with anxiety 
Will you choose to trust that God wins? Trust him. Surrender to him. He is the only one worthy of that. Would you stand with us? Father, we thank you for these truths that we've been reminded of today. I pray that these truths would just be buried deep in our hearts, that they would find fertile soil and give fruit, bear fruit in our lives as we trust you. We thank you for loving us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name.